Hello, and welcome to the final episode of the bands of the 80s. This is Dad Educates Daughter, Series 3, Episode 23. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. Can't believe we've made the end of the bands. I've listened to a lot. Yeah, I will say at the end, there is some more I found. But oh, I think okay. it's, it's you know, time to... We could be here all century. Yeah. But it really, you know, you have to end it eventually. So I will just sum up at the end. Yeah. Um, those other bands that we haven't covered discussed yeah but um i mean we could do those and then others come up so yeah it's time to yeah to move yeah. on i think yeah i'm excited to listen to the solos yes okay well on this one then this last bands you had bolshai mm -hmm. information society the church pixies when in Rome and Love and Rockets. So yeah. how did you find it? Obviously no number ones as as we've um discussed we for the last two episodes now. These are the groups that, um or bands that didn't really I mean they got some good songs, um, but they didn't crack the top forty and no. weren't with us that long. No, not at all. Well, this week I there's a group, or maybe two, that I think have said they're up your street. So have you listened to any of these? Um, no, I don't recall okay. I have, actually. Oh, no, I think one. And I quite liked it. So it'd be interesting to see if it's the same, or if it's one of yeah. those. Yeah, so I thought that. So if it's not, then maybe listen to the one that I think mm. that you'd like. It's two, um, actually. It's two. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought there was two. So same. we'll see if they're the same. Um, this week, the bands don't match the sound or the genre. The name, sorry, doesn't match like the sound or the genre of some of the bands. Um also, I never realised how big rock was in the 80s or, like, even in the charts. Like, I've had a lot of rock these, like, this past year or so, like, two years. Um, and people just seem to love the guitar sound. Like, people just love a bit of rock in the 80s. I didn't realise it was that big. Um, well, it was, if you, if, you know, it's either keyboard or, or guitar, mm, I suppose, true. if you think about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, you had the synth pop, the fisty mm. pop. Um, although the sophisticated pop was a bit of in between, that was sort of the link. Yeah. yeah. Because if you think of level forty-two, they're very much bass, mm. which I suppose is like you know. So, so you got walk with the guitar, then you went into bass, and then you got your keyboard. So yeah, it sort that's, of went yeah, like that. that's true. I think I've just because rock isn't really a mainstream thing now. So for me growing up, I didn't have the rock. Like I didn't realize eighties well, was very rock. Funny you say that. There's a group you've got tonight that we will discuss who were a rock band. They yeah. had, as, as hence we're talking about them now, they didn't have really any hits mm. in the UK, but they were um, not big in America, but they were, they, they did well. Okay. All right. I'll 
I think I can guess who that was because the other thing was how do some of these bands have so many songs like Pixie for example have about six this week whereas all the other ones you've given me this week um you've only given me one song for them so it's like how if they've not well, hit, how you got to think Pixies we'll come into it in, in obviously in bigger but not all these groups are English so they may be so it might be big elsewhere. Bigger elsewhere, um, but had minority, had a um, mediocre hit over here. Mm, okay. So we will come to that. Yeah. What I have done is I have listened to, because I only had one for all the others, I have listened to more. There was more? Yeah. And I found <laughs> these when I was putting on Spotify. I did it straight on Spotify instead of waiting until I do my notes, and then having a look on YouTube for any more. I just typed in the band name and then just clicked. I've done two extra songs for each one. I just clicked two random songs for each one to listen mm-hmm. to as I listen to them through the week. So it's all okay. there. I've got my impression from all three songs instead of just one and then doing Fine. my notes and looking at the videos. So. Okay, so let's talk music. Yes. Let's talk Bolshoi. Okay, so. Or however you want to pronounce it. Bolshoi. 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 Um, These are rock, I've gone with. They've got a really good voice and the band flow really well. Like they have the music that really complements the vocals. So it all just goes well together. And I feel like... So you gave me one, I listened to two more. Like, they did good things with it. Like, they knew what they were doing. They knew what sound they wanted to create. They weren't, like, all over the shot. They knew what they wanted to do. Um, they were smartly dressed with a bit of scruffy air. They've And so I didn't really get much from them, but there, there was one video that I watched um, for a song that I listened to off my own back called TV Men. And the song was like about MTV. Like, so it was about being like on TV. You know, like, who was it? The Buggles did Video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind what, of the very, very first episode, yeah, I think yeah. that was. Yeah, maybe second. But mm. anyway, so they did that. Well, Bolshoi have got TV Men or Man, which is about going on MTV and having like like being on tv and then in the video they were carrying around a tv which on the tv was them and like just the graphics of it where you could tell like this tv was a bit static it didn't have much very good reception which i'm guessing you probably had a lot of issue with with your antennas back in the day um so it was a bit like that and i just thought that was really good and the lyrics were really like about and it was a catchy song um the other one that i listened to was called sunday morning which was my favorite out of the like the one that you gave me and then these two it just like it was put together really well like the beat in it got my attention like it took me a minute to get into it and then the first chorus i was like oh actually i like you and then it went on it was a really good song um comments that i found was one of the rare occasions when youtube recommends something worth watching great lyrics guitar work and tight rhythm section thank you the bolshe for a wonderful track and that was on away and then an important band led by a distinctive voice videos are just details the music touches the soul trevor is a genius so 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 yeah and um, when you're saying about mtv don't forget dire straits Money for nothing. 
I want my, I want my MTV. Yes, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Mm. Okay, back to Bolshoi. They were Trevor Tanner on vocals and guitars, Jan Kalicki on drums, Nick Chown on bass, and Paul Clark on keyboards. They were formed in 1983 in Trowbridge, Wiltshire. Ooh. And they are gothic rock, alternative rock, new wave. So, yes, rock. rock. <laughs> so the original lineup was Trevor Tanner, Jan Kalicki and bassist Graham Cox. So Tanner and Kalicki knew each other from their time together in the short-lived band Moscow in which Trevor went under the name of Trevor, <coughs> Trevor Flynn, his mother's maiden name, and then obviously he changed to Trevor Tanner. So after just eight gigs, Cox left and was replaced with Nick Chown. In 1985, the band released their first single, Sob Story, mm. followed by a mini album called Giants, and a second single release, Happy Boy. Through word of mouth, Bolshoi were able to sell out many of their early headlining gigs. Oh. So I'm guessing they were like local and that. So they, but... Yeah, but still they were doing something. Yeah. Um, in 1985, the band moved to London and expanded their lineup with the addition of the keyboardist Paul Clark. In 1986, they released their first album, full le oh, sorry, their first full-length album, Friends, and also took in a tour of the US, South America, and Poland. Oh, wow. In 1987, they released their second album, Lindy's Party, on which the sound was more pop-orientated. A review in Underground Magazine described Lindy's party as completely confident, commercial, professional, and dangerously catchy, which for a goth rock band is That's not what how you, you want to read. No. <laughs> um, Bolshe were actually difficult to categorise, as were described as a goth band, similar to another act on their record label label's Becker's Banquet, called... Bahus or Bahaus, B-A-U-H-A-U-S. So okay. Bahus was another obviously gothic sort of band, and that's why Bolshoi were described as acts. They were sim they were seen as similar. Oh. So the band recorded a fourth album, but problems with their record label management impeded their record label. That's uh, sorry. Problems with their record label management impeded its release and the band disbanded in 1988. The previously unreleased album, Country Life, which had been lost for years, but resurrected by Beggar's Banquet in 2015. Oh. So Beggar's Banquet is their... Um, the record label. Yeah, yeah. So they, so they obviously had the rights of the of it um but so did they then problems with the management at the time obviously meant it didn't go get through released. get released um and then the band disbanded on the back of that but for whatever reason beggar's belief obviously um came back or you know re 
you know sorted out their their difficulties whatever the the issues were and um what we're talking what 1988 or maybe even recorded in 87 i guess only 30 years later yeah um they released the album wow that um hadn't been had been made but hadn't been released wow and so would they 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 like bolshoi would have got you know, like uh, well, definitely the whoever wrote the album, which yeah. I guess I don't know whether they all had the uh, writing um, credibility credi- credits on it, but um, yeah, but they, I'm they surprised didn't make them like reform. Uh, no, no, um, I, I did make a mistake. I said in the fourth album, it's actually their third album. Oh, okay, because um, you had. Uh, Giants was was, well, I mean, Giants was released as an album, but it was actually an EP. That was the middle. So then you one. had, yeah. yeah. So then you had Friends, Lindy's Party, and then this one. So it was their third. Oh, it was their, it was their fourth, but third proper full length album. album, yeah. But yeah. So um, so yeah, that that's that's um, Bolshoi. Oh, I'm just surprised they didn't reform in 2015. Uh, yeah, but you're, you're talking a lot of years, aren't you? So, and then if they hadn't really, I mean, it sounds like they were, they did all right in America, but they hadn't really become mainstream mainstream. No. So, no. would you? Yeah, I guess you'd be yeah. like, eh, our time was done. We tried. What's this going to do? Because you've not got the fan base behind you to no. push you forward again, have you? Mm. So, I gave you one song. 1987's A Way and it got to number 100. Oh wow. <laughs> I think that's that's probably what the worst we've had. I, I think. think we had one last week, but I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. Well, it was a good beat and it was just clear and simple. Like it was, you know, they're not a bad band. Um like I say I preferred Sunday Morning, the one that I listened to off my own back. Okay. So we'll move on to Information Society. Yeah. Now, these, I don't really know what genre they are. So they're a bit all, kind of all over the place with their sound. So I listened to You Gave Me What's On Your Mind. And then I found, now bear in mind, I just, like I said, typed in their name and added like two random songs that come up. So I added re- Repetition which was slow, shows that the vocalist can really sing. Um, and then I didn't know this until I then listened to it, but Lay All Your Love On Me, which is blatantly a cover of ABBA, because it's exactly the same song. Um, and then you've got What's On Your Mind. And none of them sound similar, so I don't really know what genre they're in. But going off What's On Your Mind, I was like, oh, they're a bit of energy. Um, because of the way what's on your mind so I put that on first then I got on to lay all your love on me and then repetition and none of them sound similar so I don't actually know what they come under so I'd be intrigued to find out what they are they're not really what I was expecting like I say like what's on your mind brings a completely different sound into the 80s it's you know it's all about energy it's all about like I don't know it's a bit like more I don't know like your dub music type of thing and they didn't stick to one sound. Um, repetition was my favourite that I listened to, and they should have stuck out that sound because I think it's beautiful, and they could have done a lot with it. Um, 
they're, they're, and the weird thing is they're gothic looking so it's like kind of like maybe like rock might be in there with a genre but then in their videos they like to add a splash of color but they just dress in black and they've got like big hair like they, they put a lot of product in their hair um a comment that I found interesting was fun, positive, no curse words, relatable, part punk, part rock, pure genius, feel good therapy. Thank you. Right. So information society. Mm-hmm. Paul Wobb on keyboards, Kurt Harland on vocals and James Cassidy on bass. They were formed in 1982 in St. Paul, Minnesota. And they are classed as a synth pop, dance pop, electronic band. Dance pop, I can see, but I don't know. Not really feeling anything else. Not going okay. on. So the band reformed in Harlan's dormitory room in McAllister College in St. Paul. Um, they performed electronic music with flourishes of hip-hop, dub and electro. The name was chosen from a novel in nine, from 1984 and the band was influenced by Kraftwerk, Ari yeah. Newman, okay. and later acts like Pet Shop Boys, Duran Duran and OMD. But they don't sound anything, I don't know, what they were doing, especially with What's On Your Mind, is nothing like any of that. Like, maybe a bit of craft work with, like, the sounds they were using, but I don't know, it was very, like, energetic. It weren't synth poppy or electronic at all. So in 1983, the band released independently an EP, the Insoc. Short for Information Society. Yeah, I would have got that if you didn't say that. (laughs) Which was recorded in 14 hours and only 1,000 copies were printed. Wow. And only 50 of those were sold. Oh, well, that's not good at all, is it? The remaining were destroyed, although Harland kept 200 for himself. And in 2007, they were put up for sale, autographed on the band's website and sold out by the next day. That's mad. So they sold 50 to begin with, but somehow, like 20 odd years later, they've managed to sell 200. Because they were autographed and by that time, Information Society were obviously a bigger band and they were collector's items. Mm. Oh, so they must have got big in America then, I'm guessing. Well, I don't, we'll find out. Okay. Also in 1983, the band released their debut album, Creatures of Influence, on Min- Minneapolis independent record label, Twin Tone Records. We've heard of them, haven't we? No, we haven't. No, 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 no. Two-tone something. Two-tone. This is twin-tone. This is in America. Yeah. Two years later, in 1985, they released their first single, Running, which charted at number 10 on the US dance chart, while their second single, Walking Away, was released by Tommy Boy Records, who bought out the band's twin-tone contract. 
Um, they also um, hired Amanda Kramer as an additional keyboardist. However, she left the band shortly after the single's release. Insoc, as they were shortened to, were the only band signed to Tommy Boy to have all of their albums released through a major label distributor rather than independently. As Tommy Boy was a former subsidiary of Warner Brothers sub-label Reprise Records, which is who they used to distribute the band's albums. Their self-titled album, Information Society, which reached number 25 in the US, Hot 200, saw the single What's On Your Mind, Pure Energy, reach number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the US Dance Chart, as well as number 11 in Canada, number 18 in Ireland, and it got inside the top 100 in the UK. What? Okay, so they've done bits with that one. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the one you listen to, What's On Your Mind? Yeah, that's the one you gave me, yeah. Yeah, so it got to, what did I say, number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, and it got in the top, oh, it got in the top one. It was number one on the US Dance Chart. Yeah. Their follow-up album, Hack, released in 1990, only reached number 77 on the Billboard Hot 200, while lead single, Think, charted at number 28 on the Billboard Hot 100, so their second top. US hit, US in a sense. And it also reached number five on the US dance chart. A further six studio albums were released between 1992 and 2021. Oh, my God. So they're However, still about. Or yes. Like, yeah. However, none charted on the Billboard Hot 200. However, and um, while 2016's order, Orders of Magnitude made number 10 on the US dance album chart. Mm. So they're mm. still getting a bit out there, but they're not as big as what they were. No, no. Too much to compete with now, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had one single. Yep. Um, 1988. What's on your mind? Got to number three in America, number one on the dance chart. Um, as I said, it charted in Canada and Ireland as well. Yeah. Um, over here, it got to number 81. Okay, yeah. We didn't like them. Um, it's got a good chorus. <laughs> There's not much to it other than repetitive and like the sounds that are with it. Like it's not, there's not much going on in it. It's not much, um, like, lyrically, to be honest. Okay. Moving on, then, to The Church. Yes. These might be one that you liked. Maybe. Correct. Yes, okay. Um, I've gone with New Wave because I didn't really know, and I thought, oh, they might be down that route when I don't know. Um, They all take turns in singing. Um, I think it was a four four males. They're very 80s looking, like, you know, dark, longish hair, 
pretty boys with strong jaw lines. They didn't really have any videos, to be honest. Um, I just saw them on an album cover. They've got a good voice, though, in there. And I feel like, like I said, this is a band that you would like. And a comment is, this is one of the most iconic songs that personifies the mood and feel of the 80s new wave genre. So maybe I was open to genre. A magical decade that will never be matched. Um, I listened to two more. And that was North, e- North, South, East and West. And they like a long guitar hero in that one. So that one, it just took it all away from me. That one let me down. Um, and then Lost, that was a really good song. I liked the pace of it and it really brought out the vocals. So, yeah. But, yeah, definitely ones that you would like. So I'm glad I got that right. Okay. So The Church, Steve Kilby, vocals and bass, guitar and keyboard. So a multi um, music, a multi musician. Peter Copps, guitar and keyboards. Marty Wilson Piper on guitar, and Richard Plug on drums. They were formed in 1980 in Sydney, Southwest. No, sorry, New South Wales, Australia. Oh, they're Australian. Yeah. Okay. And their genre is alternative rock, dream pop new wave okay we've had that dream pop before i, th- I, I thought that as well. yeah but i can't remember where yeah, but i remember being like that's yeah. an odd one like so steve kilby and peter copps were originally in a glam rock band baby grand grand after they left to travel and play in other bands, so not travel together, they just, both obviously they left or the, the, the group disbanded. They went off and traveled yeah. separately. Yeah. Um, and they played in other bands. So Tactics was killed. So Kilby was in Tactics mm-hmm. and Cops was in Limousine. That's L I M A Z I N E, not Limousine, oh, Limousine. Uh, they met again in Sydney and formed a three piece band with Limousine drummer Nick Ward and called themselves the Church of Man. After one gig, they met Marty Wilson Piper, who was originally from Liverpool in England, and invited him to join the band on guitar to give the band the classic two-guitar formation. And they soon shortened their name to The Church. Okay. So they recorded a four-song demo in Kilby's bedroom studio and sent via contacts that Kilby and Klopp's had from Baby Grande to the Australian branch of the Beatles publishing company, ATV Northern Songs. The song, Chrome Injury, attracted the attention of the managing director, Chris Gilby, who signed the band to his recently formed record label in association with EMI and their recently resurrected Parlophone label. Of the first batch of demos, only Chrome Injury would go on to be recorded and released. So they'd done a four-song demo, but only one ever got released. Yeah. I feel like um, that's a recurring theme this week. They've all done their EPs. No, EPs? Yeah. Yeah. But this um, was more of a demo than the EP. More, yeah. They get the just so, in other words, it just went out to the, um, record, label. the uh, record labels. Mm. So the band's debut album of Skins and Heart was recorded in late 1980 
Mm. And seven of the nine tracks were written by Kilby. The first single release was She Never Said in November 1980, but that did not chart. And by the start of 1981, Ward was replaced on drums by Richard Plug, who had been recruited by the band's manager, Michael Chug, after hearing of Plug's reputation in Adelaide. So the band's second single, The Unguarded Moment, was released along with the album in March 1981 in Australia. The Unguarded Moment reached number 22 in the charts, while the album of Skins and Heart went gold when peaking oh. also at number 22. Okay. So the album was then released worldwide and reached number 31 in Canada number 13 in Sweden, and number 7 in New Zealand. New Zealand also saw chart success for the single, The Unguarded Moment, at number 19. So 1982 saw second album, The Blurred Crusade, released, which charted at number 10 in Australia, number 17 in New Zealand, and number 24 in Sweden while the lead single, Almost With You, charted at number 22 in Australia. They like the number 22 in Australia. Yeah, I was going to say that keeps coming up, doesn't it, 22? Subsequent albums, 1983 Seance got to number 18 in Australia and number 18 in the UK, as well as number 35 in New Zealand number 41 in Sweden. And then 1985's Heyday got to number 19 in Australia, but neither had any success with their singles. Okay. So in 1988, their fifth album. They're getting the albums out, aren't they? Yeah. Starfish saw the band regain success with the album charting at number 11 in both Australia and New Zealand. Starfish while also making the album cover I saw. Uh -huh, well. The two extra songs that I listened to. There we go. So the album also made number 41 on the Billboard Hot 200 in, in obviously America. Wow. As well as, so yeah, as well as number 45 in Sweden and number 70 in Canada. Wow. The lead single, Under the Milky Way, became the band's biggest success to date when charting at number 24 on the Billboard Hot 100, wow. as well as number 22 in Australia. Of course it was 22. I feel like they just placed them there. Uh, it was their place. It got to number 25 in New Zealand and number 69 in Canada. The single also made the top 100 in the UK, while in the US it reached number two on the mainstream Billboard rock chart. So it got to number 24 on the, the Billboard Hot 100, but also to number two in the rock chart, the Billboard rock chart. So, yes. In 1990, sixth album, Golden, sorry, Gold Afternoon Fix, was released, which was also the last album recorded with the drummer Richard Plug, who left the band shortly after and was replaced by J.D. Doherty. The album went on to reach number 12 in Australia, while in 1992, seventh album, Priest Equals Aura, was released and reached number 25 in Australia and shortly after saw the departure of joint founder Peter Cotts, although he was never replaced. And then in 1994, the drummer J.D. Doherty, was, he left and was replaced with Tim Powles. Okay. 
1994 also saw the eighth album, Sometime Anywhere, released, and that charted in Australia at number 27. Mm-hmm. While ninth album, Magician Among the Spirits, charted in Australia at number 74. So you can see it's now... Yeah, it's now dead. You know, they're, only, they're only charting in Australia, and it's now, you know, getting... Yeah. Desperate times. So in 1997, Peter Copps rejoined the band. And in 1998, their 10th studio album, Hologram of Bow, Bow, was released and that charted at number 68. Subsequent studio albums, A Box of Birds in 1999, After Everything Now This in 2002, and also in 2002, parallel universe of which none of those charted while 2003's forget yourself only charted in the u.s when peaking at number 42 on the billboard hot 200 the band have since released another six albums with the last being the hip and hip hypnagogue in 2023 Stop. Even now. Even now. So in March 2013, co-founder Steve Kilby released a series of statements which indicated he was leaving the band over a dispute around royalty payments. Then later in that year, Kilby announced that Marty Wilson Piper had been replaced by a brilliant guitarist, Ian Hawke. So not so there's obviously a falling out there and obviously it was around royalties. And I guess it was because Kilby's the writer was probably getting a fair share. A bit like we saw with Spandau Ballet in, an, you know, one of the earlier episodes. And then um, he was obviously getting fed up, was going to leave. And then they've sacked Marty Wilson and tongue in cheek, whatever, you know, however you want to put it, he's input. He's been replaced by a brilliant guitarist yeah it's a bit uh, which is a bit you know so the fans were a bit up in arms over this so kilby replied to disgruntled fans if you can't dig it i'm sorry this is my effing band after all it existed without peter clops cops and in the and and at the very beginning it existed without marty because marty was a bit later joining so peter cops has obviously left and come back uh-huh. whether, whether you can say it, ex- it existed without peter cops yes but i think it's when he left that the um definitely the chart uh, positions decreased or yeah. whether you look at it um that they were in the higher higher reaches echelons of the the charts rather than you know in the, in the 20s as they were yeah yeah so in 2018, the band were inducted into the ARIA Australian Recording Industry Association Hall of Fame. Oh, that's a th- oh no, we have had that one before. Yeah, yeah, we have. And in 1989, the single "Under the Milky Way" won ARIA's Single of the Year. Okay. So there you go. That is well, under the, the Milky church. Way. Really did a lot for him. But I feel like it was their albums that hit more than their singles. 
But Under the Milky Way for me was it picks up as it gets further into the song. It's got some good sounds and I really like the voice, like the vocals. Uh, well, 1988 that came out. Yeah. And um, although it did well everywhere else, over here, Under the Milky Way got to number 90. Yeah, that did do well at all, did it? Oh, well. Oh, well. On to the Pixies. Yeah. So these were the ones when I was saying some of the names I didn't really put with the sound. So you'd think Pixies, you know, Pixies, Pixie Dust, all that. No, these are quite a rock group, aren't they? Um, quite heavy rock, I'd say. And there's a woman in it as well, which we don't really, we've not really had women in rock groups. Um, they're like a proper band. Um, like, and in the songs that I've got, so you gave me seven, there's like a mix of like their screamo, I want to say, to like softer rock. So there's a bit of every rock kind of thing in there. Um, they really like their black and white videos, um, but it's mostly showing and perform which I think a lot of rock bands do. Mm. Um, but what I did like is it really zooms in and shows the details of the instruments as they're playing them, which you don't see that often, so that was quite cool. Um, comments, band is a one-off. Nobody can imitate them. Their material is absolutely mind-blowing. Rock and roll will never die. Underrated drummer, underrated guitar player, underrated bass player, two underrated songwriters. The Pixies never looked like what I imagined, and it was still perfect which is what I thought as well. But I didn't think they were perfect, but they didn't look like what I would have thought they would. Okay. So the pick, oh, sorry, Pixies were Black Francis on vocals and guitar, Joey Santiago on guitar, Kim Dill bass, and David Lovering on drums. They were formed in 1986 in Boston, Massachusetts, and they are an alternative rock indie rock band so pixies are influenced by huskadoo oh. and iggy pop isn't that far... weird they're influenced by huskadoo when they didn't really do much no, exactly very odd um so francis says that when he started writing songs for pixies he was listening to nothing but huskadoo and iggy pop um while writing the band's second album he listened to the Beatles White Album. And while writing the EP Come On Pilgrim, he listened to R.E.M.'s Murmur oh. a lot. So the band have released eight studio albums with all but one charting in the UK and six inside the top ten. In the UK? In the UK. This is their albums. Albums, yes. Oh, okay. So they did bits of their albums. Okay. Yeah. So um, as far as over here, although they weren't big single-wise, they obviously were, it was more, you know, and they were more an album. Yeah. Band, it's funny so, that they weren't bigger, though. Like, oh, yeah. how we're, we're having, like, I'm listening to them now with the groups that didn't hit very well, yet these did well with their albums. Yeah. So, um, in 1989, Doolittle, the album, got to number eight. In 1990, Bossa Nova got to number three. Wow. In 1991, Trompe Le Monde got to number seven. 
And then in 2014, so they've added some other albums in between them, but, but they were like, they were still, do, they're still charted, but number 20, 28, 45, 53. You then right. had a best of, which got to number 16. And then in 2014, Indie Cindy got to number six in the album chart. Oh my God. Uh, sorry, 2014 that was. In 2016, Head Carrier got to number seven. In 2019, Beneath the Eerie got to number seven. And is late as as um, recent as 2022, oh my Doggerill got to number 13 in the UK album chart. So they're still going. Still going. They're getting still an album inside chart. the top 20 album charts in the UK. That's mad. I might start checking the album charts, you know. I never so, look at yeah. the album charts. So, 2014's Indie Cindy's is their best album to date in the US. Um, and that charted at number 23 on the wow. Billboard Hot 200. They are American, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, uh, what did I say? Boston, Boston, Lincolnshire, Boston, Massachusetts. So the band had disbanded acrimoniously in 1993, but reunited in 2004. um, And then bassist Kim Dill left in 2013 and was replaced by Paz Lenchantin. So their 2022 album is with a different yes bassist bassist yeah so the band had early success with their singles on the alternative airplay chart in the us with the 1989's monkey gone to heaven get reaching number five and here comes your man reaching number three that's on the alternative airplay chart and in 1990s veloria got to number four and wow. Dig for Fire, number 11. And then in and 1990... in that same chart. Yeah, yes, these are all on the alternative airplay. Right. And then in 1992, Letter to Memphis got to number six, and Head On also got to number six. So, many artists have cited Pixies as having an influence or having admiration for the band, and these include... David Bowie. What? Radiohead. What? Nirvana. My God. The Strokes. And Kings of Leon. Shut up. That's mad. Wait for this. Kurt Cobain of Nirvana admitted that Smells Like Team Spirit was a conscious attempt to co-opt Pixie's style. Shut up. While David Bowie has said that the Pixies made just about the most compelling music of the entire 80s. What? But they weren't even as big as these people. Like, they, they just had their album. Like, I get that album's done really well, but that, that's it. Their music weren't mainstream. That's mad. Bono from YouTube oh yep. called the Pixies. One of America's greatest bands ever. I'm baffled. While Radiohead's Tom York said that Pixies changed my life. What? There we go. Oh, my God. This is a lot to take in. 
Not even that big. Well, they clearly are. I mean, you think of all those albums. They just weren't um, singles singles in a in a singles chart. But that doesn't mean to say they're not good. That just means that public would rather buy the album and than the the single. And you find that with rock more than any, probably more than any other genre, they buy the album over Mm. a single. Yeah. To be fair, I think I'd rather buy albums over singles. I don't think I ever bought. I bought one single when I was younger. That was Girls Aloud's first single. So, Pixies, 1988, Gigantic, got to number 93. Right. This is too much noise over the singing, right? But all I could think about, they sing Gigantic weird. It was like Gigantic. They said it weird, like they sounded it out, but it weren't like Gigantic that they sung. It was Gigantic. G antic or oh, oh, I can't remember, but it was annoying. It was just weird. I was like, just sing it properly. Like it is baffling me. Nineteen eighty-nine, Monkey Goes to Heaven got to number sixty. Ooh, this was my favourite out of all theirs. It slowed down, and what they there was a really nice bit where the music, like the background music, would fade out, and it would just be pure vocals, and then it would come back and be like quite quite loud, but not like heavy metal. Um, the only thing that let it down, but it still was my favourite out of all of them. There was a tiny bit of screamo in there, but I don't mind it if it's a little bit. I wouldn't listen to a whole song of screamo. Also in 1989, Here Comes Your Man, number 54. Ooh, this one was just a bit more fun. They just had fun with it, I think. Played around a bit. Okay. So, 1990, yeah. Veloria got to number 28. Now, the reason I've put them in here is that was in 1990, not, not the in 80s. the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, they did have a hit in the top 40, but it was outside that the was, 80s. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, Valoria, to me, like that's mad that that's the one that hit. It was more of a background song. It, Yeah, it weren't, there weren't much to it. It was very quiet, much slower. 1990, Digger for Fire, number 62. Ooh, it's got a catchy chorus and a really good beat in that one. 1991, Planet of Sound, number 27. I think this was their worst one. And it's weird that the two that have actually hit are the worst ones for me. Um, it sounds like they're underwater. Like they've done something weird with the vocals. Um, and it's got the instruments take over the vocals as well. Okay. And then in 1997, Debaser became their best hit, biggest hit in the UK so far at number 23. Oh, and this was an awful one as well. It's just very heavy rock. <laughs> so the three that hit, I'm yep. not a fan of at all. Okay. Right. When in Rome. When in Rome. These are the other one that I think you might like. It is indeed. Yes. Um, so they're pop, synth pop. Um, I, I didn't write much about them, not going to lie, because I just think they have it all. Like, they're just, you know, standard... 80s looking men standard 80s sound like just what you want to hear in the 80s like it was just pure 80s for me um they're quite young casual style um you gave me the promise 
I listen to now weirdly as well and I don't like myself I don't know how I did this so everyone that you've given me one song for I've listened to two but for some reason with when in Rome I only listened to one more so I don't know what I did there so I listened to heaven knows and that was catchy upbeat got a really good beat um and then the comments I think it's just one comment because it's a long comment god I love this song so this is on the promise why is it that once you start listening to these fire 80s hits, you end up binging on all the 80s music, no matter the genre, because they all were bangers, for hours on YouTube? Nothing, and I mean straight up nothing, will ever dominate the music, culture and fads of the 80s. So blessed to have lived and experienced the enlightening 80s. This 55-year-old will always be an 80s child. There we go. You 80s people are very, like, just, you're very excited. You're very enthusiastic about 80s. So, when in Rome, Clive Farrington on vocals, Andrew Mann on vocals, and Michael Florill on keyboards. They were formed in 1987, Manchester, and they are a synth-pop new wave band. So, Clive Farrington was originally in a band called Bow Leisure and recruited Michael Florell and Andy O'Connell. Florell and Farrington began writing songs together and later saw Andrew Mann, a beat poet. Whatever that is, I don't know, but there we okay. go. Yep. And they got him to also join the band. Right. The band then changed its name from Bow Ledger to Wren in Rome after using the famous proverb to note the cultural differences. So I don't know if you've heard of it, but people often say, you know, Wren in Rome, not that they've ever been there, it's just... Something people say. I don't think I have heard that. No. So um, O'Connell, the beat poet, he left the band and the remaining trio recorded some demos. And some even included man's friend, Corinne Drury of Swing Out Sister. Oh. While they seeked a record deal. Okay. So the band eventually signed to Elektra Records for a month before the label closed its London office, forcing the band to leave due to the time differences with the US. Okay. So the band eventually signed with Virgin UK subsidiary 10 Records and their self-titled debut album was released in May 1988. The producers took special interest in the trio's song, The Promise, which was issued originally as a 12-inch dance record. Uh, song... Before yep. you go on, this is what I've noticed. What's the difference between the inches? What? How does that make it any so different? So a 12-inch is too long for radio and therefore isn't involved in the chart. So any sales of it won't go to the chart. A seven inch is obviously what's on the radio, a four, four minute, four, five minute play. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the charts are based on. So this was released as a 12 inch. Oh. It would have only been at the clubs and what have you. It wouldn't yeah. have been in the, it, I mean, you can, but I've got 12 inch mixes. I mean, that's what they used to be. 12 inches were the remix, so it's longer. Right, um, like they, they, they didn't count towards the charts. Oh. And they, you'd never hear really a 12 inch on the radio. Okay. It'd just be in the clubs and what have you. 
I always wondered because obviously now I'm looking at comments. There's loads of people yeah. that are like, "I'm so glad this got released as a 12 inch," and I'm like, yeah. "What's the difference?" But so yeah, no, I 12 inch is is a, usually a remix. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So um, so this um 12 inch um became popular and hit the top of Billboard's dance club play chart. So Virgin ordered an album. So the remix version of The Promise was the album's first single. And it was an instant success, just missing the top 10 in the US, charting at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. And then um, Heaven Knows, their second single, also charted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 95 okay and that was in 1990 additional singles did little on the charts and the band ultimately faded away in 1990 florel was fired by farrington and mann over created differences and ren in rome disbanded shortly after Virgin Records had dropped them in 1993. So it didn't last oh. that long, really, did they? No, well, 1990, Florel left, and I don't think they really released anything after that. Mm. And then come 1993, Virgin obviously said, we're, we're dropping we're you on the other two. And then yeah. obviously Mann and um, uh, Farrington obviously then just disbanded the band. But, yeah. So... Florel did reform the band in 2006 with vocalist oh. and guitarist Tony Fennell and drummer Chris Willett as Renin Rome 2. Now, there was a legal dispute with the others, the other two, for using the name, but um, they lost their challenge and Renin Rome 2 was allowed. Oh, okay. Um, so in 2009, Farrington and Mann along with drummer Rob Gerares, formed Renin Rome UK. Oh. So you've now got... So there's like three different... Well, Renin Rome is gone. Yeah. But it, it's, it, it, from the, the three band members, one says so a bit like Bucks Fizz, this is. Bucks Fizz, and now you've got, yeah, I forget what they're called, The Fizz. And one, and one the other went one and used Bucks. Yeah. 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 So this one is... Um, Ren in Rome 2, and as in the two in Roman numerals, and yeah. Ren in Rome UK. Yeah. And who was in the one in Rome UK? Who, which that, one was, that was the two, the was two remaining the two? Yeah. who had lasted in the group the longest, which was Farrington and Mann, yeah. who yeah. had challenged the Ren in Rome 2 name, but they lost their, their high course. So then they were like, oh, all right, well, we've lost that. Let's go make our own. Then. Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. Okay, so they had one, I was going to say hit single, but it wasn't a hit. 1989, The Promise, got to number 58. Ooh, that's not bad, though. Um, I just thought it was pure 80s sounding, and I listened to it many times to the point where I was like, this song now, I really like it. That was my favourite out of the two that I listened to. Okay. I chose as well. So, Love and Rockets. Yes. So this was another one where I was like, oh, they don't sound like their name suggests. Like, Love and Rockets. And then you get, like, this rock band. Um, It's hard to tell who's in the band from the 
um, videos, but the vocalist I did see. Oh, at, well, to be fair, so to begin with, I was like, I don't know who's in the band. I just saw this one vocalist and he's got this really high volume, spiky hair, um, like to wear clash and prints, very gothic looking. And then um, when I watched No... No new tale to tell. When I watched that video, I saw another man who was bald, wore a hat, so and he was singing. So I'm like, was it a duo with two vocalists, I, or was there more? Because I didn't ever see anyone else in the band. Just ended up being those two, and I only saw the last guy in the last song that I listened to, and that was a song that I'd gone and listened to off my own back. Um, so yeah, a bit confusing, um, because I heard a difference in the voice as well. So there must be more than one vocalist. Um, so like I've already said, I listened to No New Tale to Tell. Um, it's very stripped back. It's catchy, calm, got a good beat to it. That was my favourite out of the three that I ended up listening to. And I also listened to Holiday to the Moon, and that was just very instrumental. Um, comments that I saw were, if you are listening to this in 2022, you are a legit living legend. And probably more underrated than Peter Murphy's solo career, but Daniel's style so gothic and at- atmospheric catched and well, caught is meant to say, but they put catched another type of o- audience, very artistic. Which okay. I agree, they, they are quite artistic in their look, but there weren't really much else to go off. Okay, so Love and Rockets, Daniel Ash, vocals, guitar, and saxophone. David J on bass and vocals, and Kevin Haskins on drums and synths. They were formed in 1985 in Northampton, and they are an alternative rock band. So, the band was formed by former, wait for this, Warhouse members, after that group split in 1983. Ah, now, we mentioned Warhouse earlier. Right at the beginning. At the beginning, we're Bolshoi. Yeah who were in the, under the same record label, uh, Beggar's Banquet. So, yeah, so yeah. these are oh, so the original Bullhouse. With you. So, before Bullhouse, both Ash and Haskins had recorded and performed in another band, Tones, Tones on Tail, between 1982 to 1984. So they were still doing it while Bullhouse was around because they split in 1983. So the band's name was taken from the comic book series Love and Rockets by Hernandez by the Hernandez brothers. So despite the trio's previous band's status as a gothic rock act, there we go, gothic as we know, Warhouse were. Yeah, yeah. Love and Rockets moved slightly brighter and more pop influence with their sound, as demonstrated with their first minor hit being a cover of the Motown classic Ball of Confusion which reached number 18 on the Canadian charts in January 1986. Their first studio album, 1985, Seventh Dream of Teenage Heaven, was released in October. However, it didn't chart. And then in 1986, they released their second album, Express, which charted at number 72 on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. While the album's single, All In My Mind, charted at number 49 on the US mainstream rock chart. Their third studio album, Earth, Sun, Moon, 
was released in September 1987, while the single New No New Tale to Tell was released from the album, reached number 18 on the US mainstream rock chart. Their fourth album, the self-titled Love and Rockets, was released in March 1989 and charted at number 14 on the Billboard Hot 200 and was certified gold, while the single So Alive reached number 3 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 1 on the US Alternative Airplay chart. Wow. It also reached number nine on the US rock chart. Isn't it mad how many charts you can be in in America? Yeah, I know. As well as number 16 in New Zealand and number 24 in Australia, as well as getting inside the UK top 100. The band released another three albums during the 90s, Hot Trip to Heaven in 1994, Sweet F.A. in 1996 and Lift in 1998. However, only Sweet F.A. charted and that was a lowly 172 on the Billboard Hot 200. In April 1999, the band disbanded. Although in October 2007, on their MySpace page, it was announced they would reform to play one song at Cast Along Shadow, a tribute to Joe Strummer, where they covered the clashes of Joe's band, mm. Should I Stay or Should I Go? And they actually oh. played it twice. So although they only played one song, they played it twice. Once oh, as, right. as them, done it, and, and then, then they've done it again with getting the, um, the audience participation, which I oh. think was really good. So in an interview in 2009, Ash emphatically stated that he had no further plans to play with Love and Rocket, saying, we've worked together since 1980. I really want to work with new people. I'm sure everybody else feels the same. So, OK. I that was really, 2009. I don't really get why you'd be like, oh, I've worked with them. I've done that. Let's go. I want to move on to someone mm. else. Like. I don't know. Like, I don't know. But it's also weird. Like, it's nice that they'd done the tribute concert, but they didn't sing any of their own. And I get that they would sing a song from The Clash because of the tribute, but you'd think they'd sing one of their own, especially one like So Alive that's hit so well. But it wasn't about them, I suppose. So you can look at mm. it like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, on January the 23rd, 2023. Oh my god, these are Love coming out well recent. Announced a reunion. Oh, all right. With their first concert in 15 years at the Cruel World Festival 2023 in Pasadena, California on May the 20th, 2023. So it's oh. quite ironic and total coincidence that That's we finish cool. the group, the bands that we yeah. started. Two years ago, in 1980, we finished with a band from the 80s who was actually just reformed and is going to play later in this year, so May, a couple of months' time. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. Wow. So 
and also the fact that we finished on bands that really didn't have any hits and yet they're coming back and they're doing bits wow i'm guessing they'll be playing in america not over here yeah yeah it's california pasadena Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I didn't hear that. Bit. Even though they were from Northampton, but they seem yeah. to have had more success that in America, is. which is what I said at the beginning. There's a group that has more success in America than they have over here, and it was Love and Rockets, and they are a rock band. Wow. But we have seen that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, with, with rock more than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so over here, Love and Rockets, 1989, So Alive, got to number 79. Mm. it's got a really long intro it's just very slow like i say my favorite of like i listened to that one that you gave me and i listened to two more my favorite was no new tale to tell okay so that that brings us to the end so just leaves me to find out whether you thought they should be a hit or should have been better or maybe they were best just packing their instruments away boarding the train and finding a another job yeah leaving it for a hobby yeah okay so bolshoi i think definitely should have been bigger they have mm. what it takes and have a solid sound of great music lyricals and vocals i thought like they just had it all i think um information society on the other hand i think I think they just, I, I don't know, they shouldn't have been bigger. I think they should have stepped back or just left it because they just didn't, they needed to figure out what they wanted to express and the sounds they wanted to produce because it's all just a bit all over the place. So I don't think they were ready. So, yeah, they didn't really deserve to be any bigger. Um, okay. The church, on the other hand, they should have hit. They could have had a place in the 80s. I don't even know what else, like, I literally don't know what else to say apart from they simply should have just done better. Like, I don't get why. They were pure 80s for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Pixies. Pixies. I think they were, like, in the wrong decade and, I don't know, maybe not even in the wrong decade. They just had too much competition. So I think, and, like, with the amount of songs that you gave me as well, like, you know, they've hit in America. They didn't make it over here. It's like, I don't, I think, yeah, they... They, I don't think they could have done any more than what they did. So I agree with them not hitting, just because I think there were better people in the rock. You heard it here first, Bono. The greatest possible American rock band ever were not really that great, says Rebecca. I don't really like them, though. But I'm not a rock person. No, you're not. Okay, um, Ren in Rome. 100% should have been a hit. Again, like, they are pure 80s. They had the look, they had the sound, they had the songs. Like, I don't get why they weren't. But I guess it's just all the competition. But, yeah, I think they should have hit. And then Love of Rockets. I just, I think it was the same as the Pixies, really. They just missed out due to the competition. I think there's a lot better out there. So, yeah, I do. They can okay. stay where they are. So, not buying tickets for their reunion? No, nah, I'll be all right. The concert okay that brings us to the end so as i said at the beginning there are some some others that we haven't mm-hmm. touched on and we're sorry we can't we, we'll be here all as i said all century tongue-in-cheek but um these were probably the best of the rest so if anyone wants to listen to them these are their their commercial singles that did well so we've got the whispers 
So they had And The Beat Goes On, that got to number two in 1980. They also had My Girl, that got to number 26 in 1980. It's a Love Thing, number nine in 1981. And finally, Rock Steady got to number 38 in 1987. We also have Corgis. Um, they only had one single that really done anything, and that was Everybody's Got to Learn Sometime. But he got to number five, and that was also in 1980. Ooh. We then come to Grandmaster Flash. So The Message got to number eight in 1982. White Lines, Don't Do It, got to number seven in 1983. And Step Off Part One got to number eight in 1984. We then move on to Pinkies, Danger Games, number eight in 1982. Uh, we then have the band The Masonettes. They had a single hit single with Heartache Avenue, which reached number seven in 1982. We then have The Swan's Way. Now they had a hit with Soul Train and that got to number 20 in 1984. Another band, Aurora, A-U-R-R-A, they had a single, You and Me Tonight, and that got to number 12 in 1986. Midnight Star had two singles, Headlines, that got to number 16 in 1986, and Midas Touch, that got to number 8 also in 1986. We then have Broken English, Coming On Strong, which got to number 18 in 1987. And lastly, Stock, Aitken and Waterman, they Aitken. released two singles. Well, they released more, um, but under their own name. Well, originally it wasn't. So Roadblock, they released, but they didn't say it was them. Because oh. obviously by this time they were getting a lot of bad press. Oh, they're just taking over and all this because yeah. they were just... They were just manufacturing songs and getting yeah. people to sing them and doing well. Mm. So they put one out without telling anyone to see right. if it would become a hit. And Roadblock and did become a hit. It got to number 13 in 1987. And then when they come out and said it's us, they then brought out another song, Pack Jammed with the Party Posse. And that got to number 41 in 1987. Wow, that's mad. So there we go. Wow. So they're the ones that, you know, if anyone wants to listen to them, look they're up those there. songs. Yep. Good to know. And that brings and it to a close. After 23 crazy. episododes, if we'd included those ones, it could have gone to 25. You had enough there for two more yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, we would have, we could have just gone on and on. So we'll, we'll draw a line there. That is it. I think we've um, realised how many bands really exist yes. in the 80s. So um, I'm guessing now um, I will need to work out the summary, which I haven't yep. done yet, for mm -hmm. this last series. Yeah. How many songs you've listened to, how many number ones and what have oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure that you're going to come up with something as well. Oh, definitely. You're not getting out of that one. I will let you know who you're going to have, but not quite yet, because I've not worked it out. Okay. 
So watch we'll have a space. little episode where we announce the uh, findings from the last series, and you can give those those um, details out. Yeah. Otherwise, all it is is to say goodbye and thank you yeah. for listening. Those that listen to, yeah. you know, the any of our last three okay. series over the 80s bands we thank you and um yeah the what next the next series will be, be soloists yeah which i'm looking forward to to be fair because i know quite okay. a few solos i feel like i i know quite a lot of these but it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to listen to the music from the yeah. 80s and know yeah where, where they came from how it all started okay yeah Right. All right, then. I'll just say goodbye. Yeah, and I'll catch up with you soon. Bye. Bye, Dad. <laughs>